0: Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back. Welcome back to uh, Sparklight. I think this is episode 10 now or something like that, 9, 10 now, something like that. One of the two, whatever, regardless. I appreciate all you guys for, you know, the support you've shown me um, all year um, and covering the Sparks. And, you know, shout out to Sparks. Uh, Right now they sit at um, 10 10 and 8. Uh, it's gonna be a interesting end to the season though. Um, Candice is still out with her ankle sprain. Uh, Raquana actually, um, Raquana Williams actually got suspended for ten games. I think literally right after I got done, like last episode, literally like right after I got done, I think Raquana got suspended. It was like a hour later when you know she was suspended. Um, which really really sucks, man, and and it. Um, it hurts the team a lot, especially when you had this many people down. I mean, Alexis Jones, she's still out. Like I said, Candice is still out. Elena Beard's still been out. She still has the hamstring issue. Um, that's four bodies missing. They actually had to bring in Carly Samuelson, um, who they actually cut at the beginning of the season because they literally are just down bodies right now. Before they signed her, they had literally seven people on the active roster. And Maria Vadia. Uh, Got hurt in EuroLeague, and she's out indefinitely with a knee injury. So it's going to be a very, very interesting end to the season. Um, They played Dallas, actually, on uh, on, um, the 18th. Uh, And I don't want to – well, I'm going to get to the game. But first, it was my first camp day that I went to. Camp day is like those games that they play – that they'll have at like, I wanna say, you know, um, noon on like a random Thursday. And I would always be like, yo, why are they having a game at noon on Thursday? Like, it just seemed kind of weird to me, especially for viewership. Like, who's gonna be able to really watch a game, you know, noon or 9 a.m. if it's, you know, uh, if it's Pacific time and it's noon in, you know, New York, like at 9 a.m. Uh, but it's camp day. So camp day is basically a day in which uh, all of the summer camps uh, basically can bring in, you know, their kids and just enjoy a game. First of all, I've never – that was the first time in my life in which I felt old. Like, I don't think I've ever been around that many kids when I wasn't a kid. And it literally was the first time in my life I've ever, I've ever felt old. Like, that was a video I posted of when Old Town Road played and, like – the arena was like, they sung every single word. I mean, mid game, they even like, you know, cut the song off cause it was time to get back to the game. Kids still singing every single word. Um, but I just think that's a great event. And like, I'm happy that the WNBA does that. Um, I think that that's what the league needs. You know, I think that, that that's what is gonna, you know, drive the next generation of fans um, and the next generation of players as well, um, you know, I don't know what the ratio, you know, for for boys to girls was there, but I mean, obviously it's summer camp, so I'm sure there were a decent amount of women, um, well, young girls in the building, and I think that, I mean, even Coach Fisher alluded to it in um, post game. You don't, no league, no other in in no other league do you really get to do that. Like in in you know the NBA, they don't have camp day. You know, it's revenue based. They don't have camp day. You know, the NFL, you can't do that. Well, they don't do that. I don't really watch too much NHL, but I don't think the NHL does it. Maybe Major League Baseball might do it. But other than that, I don't know of any, you know, uh um uh sports um sorry about that guys. I don't I don't know about any sports leagues that do that consistently. Um like this is a thing like they just they did, you know, the uh camp day um in LA and then on Saturday they did a camp day with the Liberty uh whether whether Liberty had their own camp day. So this is like a thing. And I just think that it's great, man. Like, um for one, you get the kids out and and if they have a great time, you know, they might go back to their parents and say, yo, mom, dad, like we wanna, you know, go see a WNBA game. And I mean tickets are never gonna be that much money. You know, it may cost what for to take your whole family out to a WNBA game as far as like tickets, maybe $40. I mean, you concessions at that point maybe end up spending sixty dollars for you know your whole family to have a great day, great evening, enjoy a professional basketball game, and also again, like I think it's about bringing up the next generation. Like, what if you know some young girl who was there and got inspired to just be a WNBA player one day? You know, um, I think that you know I've been preaching this pretty much all week since then. I think that we have to remember that the league is only twenty three years old. So you're just now getting to the point in which um, young girls who are, who are, you know, coming out or, you know, um, young women who are coming out uh, have always seen this league. Um, so it's been embedded in them since birth. Like they don't remember a world in which the WNBA didn't exist. I remember a world when, when there wasn't always a WNBA. Like I remember when when like the WNBA started. But these young women now, like they don't remember that. Like, I mean, you know, like Cheryl Swoops and like Lisa Leslie I like the Wolf Chamberlain, Bill Russell. You know, like the WNBA. So, again, I think it's important to start fandom young. You know, um, I don't know. I probably wouldn't even be doing this show right now if my grandmother didn't, you know, play those late 90s Bulls games for me and we crowd around the TV to watch Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, to watch them win championships. I probably wouldn't even be doing this show right now because I wouldn't be a fan of just the game of basketball. Um, so it's important to just start fandom young, raise up the next generation, and, um, you know, have them – have them take an interest in the game. And, again, for the young ladies there, I think uh, women playing professional basketball needs to be normalized to them. And I think that it is that like it is normalized to them because, again, they've always grown up in a world in which they've always seen, you know, a professional women's uh, – well, women's professional basketball. And, you know, maybe it influenced them to go home and tell their, you know, mom or dad, like, hey, we want to play basketball. Um, I remember – when I, when, I, when i remember but i was even you know when i you know do the post game things and i had the uh the um the um you know i put the videos up there was some girl who commented some like super super young kid she had to be 9 10 years old commented like i was there but that's great like now she'll you know maybe she she'll be more receiving to you know WNBA content maybe she'll go on the internet and like look up LA Sparks and just see what comes up because she went to the game and she had a great time and she enjoyed herself so again i just want to commend the league and commend the Sparks and whoever came up with that idea i think it was a i think it was a beautiful amazing idea and they need to have more camp days cuz even the energy in the building was crazy like that that was the loudest i've heard stable center for a Sparks game. And I'm pretty sure it gave, I I feel like it gave the Sparks some type of home court advantage, like a real, real home court advantage. Like they were loud. I'm pretty sure it was probably even kind of hard for the Dallas Wings to um, hear their plays. Um, Also in turn, that means you as the Sparks players have to communicate as well. Like you have to, it's like imperative that you raise your voice, speak loud and let people know what you're doing because the crowd is everywhere. Crowd's into it, singing Old Town Road. Uh hella loud, you know, so again, I just think it was a great event, man. And um as far as the game, they pulled out a victory. Uh I I was I was impressed by the win against Dallas. You know, I they fell down early, fell down, I think I wanna say about sixteen in the first half. And uh I was like, you know what? Here we you know, I wasn't gonna even fault them for losing the game. Reason being was because I mean they are just down so many bodies. Even Chelsea Gray, uh picked up, I think, three fouls in the first um, half. One thing I've noticed about her recently is that she's been picking up like some some fouls that she doesn't need to get. Like, I honor the intensity. I honor the, the you know, I'm not gonna just let them score mentality. I honor that, but same time, I think she has to realize when they're down as many bodies as they are, she has to stay on the court. Like, she can't afford to pick up three fouls and you know, have to go to the bench because, I mean, when she goes to the bench, there's really no other shot creator. There's nobody else who can, like, break down the defense and get shots for others as well as get shots for themselves. And right now, she's probably the only ISO scorer that they have. And I actually asked um, Coach about that, uh, about um, how important it is to run great offensive sets and be very precise with your offense when you're down some of your ISO scores. I know I was watching uh, the other day, um, this weekend, I was watching uh, Vegas, um, Seattle. And obviously, well, Vegas lost the game. But in the fourth quarter, there were so many shot clock violations because if Seattle didn't create defense, well, not defense, create offense from their defense, unless they, like, got somebody open through a screen or something like that and, you know, running running good sets on offense, they really couldn't score. They didn't really have anybody to take anybody off the dribble. And I think that, you know, with the Sparks being down Candice, you know, down Raquana, who might, in one-on-one play, she might be the best at getting to the basket. I think Chelsea is the best at getting her shot off from pretty much anywhere. But Raquana, you really can't stay in front of her and stop her from getting to the basket. She's probably, um, if not the best in the league, one of the best in the league at that and she's not there. So it's very important that they run offense. Like you have to set good screens. You have to be very precise. You have to know how to run off a screen. You have to know how to um uh uh, uh be ready to shoot when you come off the screen. You know, like these are the things that you have to do because you know, again, you're down some of your some of your better um isolation players, but still I was very impressed with the um, Dallas game, man. Uh, I think that Dallas had a chance to put them away early. Um, I want to say in the first half, about the end of the first half, um, they actually were, I think, up, I want to say like 12, and I think Chelsea got a bucket. And it was a 10-point lead going into the half, but even the way that Dallas ended the half just looked so sloppy. I think they, it's like 23 seconds left. First of all, they don't attempt to take the last shot. They took a shot with, like, 14 seconds left. I didn't hate the shot because the person was open, um, but you have to knock it down. And then uh, Kyla Thornton, when she gets the offensive rebound, just shoots another shot inexplicably with, like, eight seconds left. And I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Like, make sure you take the last shot, get the last shot. I think they ended the quarter sloppy, and I think that really gave the Sparks a boost um, going into the um, second half because I think they looked at it and was like, yo, we played awful. Um, I think even coach alluded to it. Like he he didn't he didn't feel like the sparks matched the wings' intensity. I mean, I even thought Kyla Thornton in the first half did a great job on Chelsea Gray. She was all in the face, making it tougher to dribble up the court to the point where Sydney had to pretty much run point guard um a lot of the times because Kyla was just like she looked like she walked into the game and said, My only mission tonight is to stop Chelsea Gray. And it worked for about three quarters. Then in the third, they came out, went on like, I think immediately like a 6-0 run and pretty much nothing was the same after that. And they actually ended up winning the game by five points. Um, I, Again, literally every time I come in here and I do this show, I you know, have another game and I'm like, yo, this is one of the better wins of the season. And I think this is, you know, they're being shorthanded, just showing the fight that they showed. I mean, it would have been very easy to just pack it in. I mean, look, it's an early game. Um, it was a noon start. You know, it would have been very easy for you know them to just pack it in, you know, being down, the people they were down, and just be like, you know what, we don't have it tonight. It's all good. Try again next time. They didn't do that. They kept fighting. I think Neca even played thirty six out of forty possible minutes. Tierra played thirty seven out of forty possible minutes. Um, so they had some people play huge minutes. Marina came in and gave him twelve off the bench. That was probably actually her better one of one of her better performances on this season. I even liked how much she was handling the ball. She handled the ball a lot and only had one turnover in this game. Um, so I even like, I loved how she was handling the ball. I know I remember, I think it was the Washington game in which she like got ripped up a lot because she just wasn't using her left hand. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm even seeing as like the season progresses that she's, I feel like she's getting more comfortable um, being ambidextrous on the court and um, using both hands and using both hands um, effectively. Um, so I think that was one of her better games. Even like Kalani, um, even when she doesn't, you know, score a lot of points, I just love the fact that she's out there being a force. Like you have to account for her on the court. Like when she's on the court, she's usually the biggest person out there, usually the most physically opposing, um, imposing person out there. Um, and and it's hard to pretty much keep her off the glass, you know, and also she's a good free throw shooter. She can also knock down a jump shot. And I think that she's going to be a hell of a player as she continues to grow and continues to mature and continues to get better and just continues to, um, again, grow as a basketball player. I think she's going to be one hell of a player. And I think the future is in great hands with Kalani Brown and with this L.A. Sparks roster. But still, man, throughout the rest of the season, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, look, they had this great win. Then they go up to New York and lose. Um, they only they only lost by three. Um, you know, Chelsea Gray. Had a great look at the end of the game. I mean, she pretty much dropped. Who did she drop off? Uh, I, uh uh Nayo Raincock. I, if, please, if I pronounce your name wrong, I'm so sorry. But, like, she dropped her off with a move. Like, hit it with a step back. She fell to the ground. Chelsea just couldn't, you know, make the shot. Um, But sometimes these things happen. I know uh, they were talking about the... Uh, the uh, the uh, free throw discrepancy um, in this game. Like the Sparks took 16 free throws and the Liberty took 40 free throws. Um, but sometimes I think that just comes with like the more aggressive team. And also I feel like, again, even in that game, like that was a foul that Chelsea Gray picked up in the first quarter. It was like six and nine. She didn't want to let her get a run out. Um, which I respect, you know, the the, the we're not going to give up anything easy. But again, she's in a position where you're down too many bodies to pick up unnecessary fouls. And that would be just an unnecessary foul. Like it's six to nine. You can just let her go because there are going to be other fouls in the game that you're that, that you you know you're, you're going to pick up naturally um, from playing defense or maybe from being in the wrong spot. So you're going to pick up some fouls, but you can't pick up unnecessary ones. And I think she got five fouls um, midway through the fourth and had to sit down in like a pivotal time in the game. Um, so I would like to see her at least until they can get – um, some of their women back, you know, like, uh, it, you know, at least until Candace can come back. I know Raquana's out 10 games. I think they have about probably 15 games left on the season. Um, let me actually check that for you guys. Um, sparks. Yeah, they have, so she's been out, I think, what she got suspended uh, two games ago. That means she has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So she'll be back on August 22nd, right? But again, we don't know when Candace is coming back. She has an ankle sprain. Um, clearly, it must be a little bit worse than what I originally thought it was because she's been out for a while. Um, but yeah, she'll be back on the. On the twenty second and they'll have what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games when she comes back. So all isn't lost. Um, I still think they can make the playoffs. And really for the Sparks, it's just about being healthy at the right time. As long as they can go into the playoffs healthy, I don't know if there's a team in the league that can beat them. I mean, right now, look, I mean, Asia Wilson just got hurt. Prayers up to Asia Wilson. Um, I know they the Sparks will face the Aces again on August first. I have I've like have that game circled in my calendar. Like I know I was supposed to um, head back to Chicago and like you know do some family stuff, um, but I'm like nah, I can't miss this game. Like I I, I you know I I can't miss the Liz Cambage, um, Kalani Brown matchup again. Like, I I really think that's a budding rivalry. Um, you know something that is gonna be around for a minute. I mean I think Liz is like 27 years old. Kalani is obviously a rookie, so they're going to be around for a minute. They're pretty much around the same size, and I think that as Alani, not not Alani, kalanis profile continues to grow, you'll know more about who she is, and that'll be a pretty uh, a marquee matchup um, in the league one day, and actually kind of a rivalry. I mean, Vegas and LA aren't that far away from each other anyway, so I think that'll end up possibly can end up being you know a real rivalry one day. Excuse me, but again. As long as they can get healthy, at the right time, I think they'll be fine. But health has just been the main concern with this team all year. I know they play the Dream tomorrow in Atlanta. Um, hopefully that's a victory. Um, so actually, when you they play at 4 p.m. tomorrow, so when you guys hear this on um, Dash Radio, uh, I mean you might even know the outcome. Um, but Hopefully they can pull that game out. I mean, what, they, they, they've they had not too many days off. They've had, what, two days off. Uh, they played um, Saturday, but it was an early game. Um, you know, New York is, what Atlanta isn't too far away, so has it hasn't been, I guess, too strenuous of travel. I would assume they maybe left Saturday, got in on Saturday, probably had, you know, the rest of Saturday to, you know, get a good night's sleep, have Monday, get a good night's sleep, and then they play at 4 p.m. tomorrow, um, which might be actually 7 p.m. Um, Eastern time. So they've had a little bit of time to rest. Hopefully they can pull that victory out because um, they need it. I mean, look, right now they sit. Let me check exactly where they sit in the standings. Um, right now they sit at 6. The Chicago Sky I moved above them. Phoenix uh, Mercury is 8-9, but they're right behind them. The Lynx are 10-9, but they're right behind them. Um, the Storm are 12-8. It may be a little bit too late to catch teams like Vegas, and I think that now um, with Deladon being back, who went absolutely ballistic this week, um, it may be a little bit hard to catch uh, you know, Washington or even Connecticut. Vegas might slide a little bit now that Asia is hurt. Um, I know she has a high ankle sprain. Those usually take longer to heal than regular ankle sprains. Um, again, prayer's up to her. Um, but, again, for the Sparks, man, I think it's just about health, man. Like, I, that's that's been the one unfortunate thing all year about this team is that nobody really knows just how good they can be because they just haven't been healthy. I don't think for a single – correct me if I'm – I might be wrong, but I, I don't think if I go back and look – I don't think they've had their entire team a single time this year, like their entire team. I think somebody has always been hurt, somebody, even if it was just like Elena was hurt or Alexis might have been hurt. Maria literally played one game, went overseas, then got hurt overseas. She, it, Her thing says out indefinitely, so we don't even know if she going to play for the Sparks this season. So I think the most heartbreaking thing so far is that, you know, you haven't seen this – Team at full capacity. Now, I also think that's a scary thing as well because, again, nobody knows. I don't even think opponents know. I don't even think the Sparks themselves know how good they can be because they just haven't had their full team. And in turn, opponents don't know. I don't think that they know how to scout for them um, if they if if they can get everybody back and in good health and in good condition going into the playoffs. And also, I think with that, you have to commend the job that um, Derek Fisher is doing. Like, I mean. You're trying to set up offense. You're trying to, you know, run things. I mean, you're trying to, uh, uh, you know, set up your defense and everybody, you know, to know their role. But roles keep changing because people keep going out. People keep getting hurt. So people are being asked to do, you know, things that they maybe wouldn't have always been asked to do. But because of injury, like, you know, people got to step up. Again, like Sydney, uh has to run a lot of point guard. I don't think – I'm not necessarily sure if Sydney would be – um, handling the ball as much as she's been handling the ball recently if Raquana was there or if Alexis was there or even if Candace was there. You know, um, I mean, Marina, too, like she's been having a lot of point guard um, duties just by necessity. You know, I mean, Carly wasn't even on the team a week ago and she's playing minutes now out of necessity. You know, so. I just think you have to commend the coaching job that you know Fish is doing for it to be his first year in the league. For them to be, for you know them to have had as many injuries, have um, as they as as they have had. For them to be, I mean, ten and eight. It doesn't look incredible, but I don't think it's bad. You know, in, in their last ten, what they're six and four. I mean, I I wish they were a little bit better. In, on the road, you know, on the road, they're, uh, five and six, but they have a chance to improve to 500 tomorrow when they play Atlanta, um, at, they protect home court really well. They're, you know, five and two, um, at home, but you got to come in the job he's doing. I also thought, I think Chelsea Gray is, um, experiencing extreme growth. Um, I think, and I, and like, I also think that he knows how to talk to these women to motivate them, which I think is, is, is a beautiful thing. You know, like, um, I was blessed enough to cover the Clippers last year, and you know Doc is Doc. When, when you when you think about a player's coach in the NBA, you think about Doc Rivers. Um, and when you think about a player's coach in the WNBA, I think you got to think about Derek Fisher. You know, like I, I think that he's someone they respect. You know, because he's someone that I'm sure you know some of them grew up watching. Especially as a you know um, a Los Angeles, I didn't even really understand how much of a Los Angeles legend. Um, you know, Derek Fisher uh, really was until, like, I moved out here, started talking to Laker fans, and you, you know, um, hear about the moments that they remember. Um, and also, I see a lot of Phil Jackson and, like, Steve Kerr in his coaching style. Um, again, early in the season, he had, a, like, a large rotation. When there were more people, there He was playing, like, ten people. But – You know, people go down and you see why he was playing so many people Um, because I have to know I can trust you. And if you've never been put in that situation to get confidence, then how, for one, are you going to trust yourself? And how, two, am I going to trust you? You know, like you don't want to be in the playoffs and, you know, you throw somebody out there and it's the first time they've been in that situation in the playoffs ain't the first time you want to be in some situation. You want to be in that situation at some point in time during a year you, so that you can draw um, to that moment when you're in a more pivotal moment. You know, again, like I always go back to uh, the Quinn Cook thing. Like, I mean, Steve Kerr will play Quinn Cook and Warriors fans will complain. And you see in the finals, again, in game five, I thought he made two of the biggest plays, but you know why? It's repetition. It's like, okay, you know what? I might have failed in this moment, but I failed enough, or I've had some success in these moments, that when I get thrown out there again in this moment, I'll be fine. You know, and, like, I think that he gives his players great confidence, and and and, and, and that's something that I, that, that I appreciate. And every time you ask um, um, any of the Sparks about Fish, like, they all really, really, you know, seem to love him. And... I think you got to just take your hat off to him and just, you know, commend um the coaching job um that he's done this season and um that he's done with this team. Um and again, I've been saying this since day 1. I don't think that it's just about, you know, this year when you talk about the sports. I think it's also about the future. They've been one of the more winningest teams um um in LA professional sports uh, over this well, I mean, since the new, since the new millennium, really, um, and I think that you just want to continue the history um, that you've had, and I think that again, I, I I think the Sparks are in great hands. Like even this year, like I think that this year is something you can build off of, even next year, because so because so many people are getting so many so many so much valuable experience. Like Kalani's getting valuable experience, Sydney's getting valuable experience, Chelsea's getting valuable experience. Um, marina's getting valuable experience because so many people are down and i think that again that makes you stronger if they can get healthy and they can get to the playoffs i think that they that 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 there'll be a hard out for anybody because they'll know how to win so many different ways man like so many so many different players have played in so many different ways and so many people have been in and out the lineup that i think that if you get to the playoffs and you got a full roster you have no fear like you literally have no fear if somebody tweaks ankle, you're like, okay, we good. We, you know, we've been through this. Somebody gets in foul trouble, can't play, okay, we good. We've been through this. We done been through about every possible situation you can possibly go through this season. And if they can get there again, I think there'll be a tough out for anybody. Um but uh I don't have too much time left um um on the show today. Um but I actually want to go back to what I was talking about in the um, beginning, man, because seriously, like, I, I, that, that, was, that was probably one of the more beautiful events as far as camp day that I've experienced um, covering this team. And, you know, I, I, I have a lot of critiques about the league and, you know, things that they can do better because I care. Like, that's why I critique. critiques. I have critiques because I care. And I think that these are some of the best basketball players in the world, and I want to see the game grow. Um, so I have a lot of critiques, you know. If you like follow me on Twitter, I mean you can see certain things that I suggest. I think they need to open the game up, you know, whatever else here and there. But seriously, I want to give a standing ovation to whoever created the Camp Day idea because, um, you know, one thing I've learned as I, you know, get older in life is that the kids are the future. Like once you pass about 25, like it's not really about you anymore. You know, it's about the new generation and the kids are the future. And I think it's just a beautiful event. Uh, For you to get that many kids in one building watching basketball, enjoying basketball and, you know, um, 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 showcasing exactly what the league is about. You know, I think that's beautiful, man. And, And who knows, man, like all these camp days that the league is doing, who knows, man. You might have the, the you know, the the next Diana Taurasi in the crowd, and you inspired her. And I think that, uh, shout out Nipsey, uh, Nipsey Hustle on um, RIP R. Nipsey said, the greatest human act is to inspire. And I think that the camp days will serve to be inspirational for the kids. And hopefully, man, like, hopefully somewhere in that crowd, we you know, you know the next great, um, WNBA player was, and, and I think that that's important, man, so, um, again, shout out to all you guys for the, um, support, shout out to LA Sparks, and, um, yeah, until next time, it's been Sparklike.